0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Talking Leadership Podcast. Thank you for joining me and today's guest is Dre McLaughlin. Dre, how are you going?
1: I am amazing, absolutely tremendous. How are you?
0: Mate, it's amazing to have you back. Now, you were one of my initial podcast guests and you you did a lot um, out of session to give me, uh, give me some confidence to do this and to keep pursuing what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm eminently grateful for that. And so If I can return the favour, I'm now doing some video podcasts. Again, this is a way for me to reach out and say thank you and and, uh, pick your brain a little bit on some things to do with leadership, hence uh, the title of the podcast for for those that are watching. So before we get into it and as as a way to just get people oriented as who you are, Dre, if they didn't listen to that first podcast or they're not following the Hot Hire podcast with almost or over 150 podcasts, episode, so if you're not listening to me, you need to be listening to, to Dre on that podcast always, yes, uh, so let's go, so Dre is the founder of Job Search Queensland and he's also an author, he currently has a book that you can get as a PDF for free called The Number One Interview Playbook and you're also writing a second book, so can you give us a bit of an outline of what that second book is, mate?
1: Yeah, so the second book is called, so the, tit- the title's not official yet, but it's the number one job hunt playbook for sales professionals so
0: way too long mate way <laughs> t- <laughs>
1: okay. i don't want to get it wrong i don't want to get it wrong
0: sure <laughs> sure
1: um so yeah my plan is to write a book one book every every year so the book that i'm going to write next year is going to be about branding but this uh book about sales for sales professionals that's my background so i spent I know I probably don't look it, but about 20 years in sales and recruitment. And this book is all about finding those opportunities and how to to navigate those and and close them.
0: No worries. So what I'll do in the podcast description is I'll make sure that I put a link in to the Hot Hire podcast, as well as the the current book that you've got out. So for those watching, listening, please um, get in and have a look and give Dre some feedback. Now, um, we discussed your views of leadership in the first podcast we did, the audio podcast. So now I want to take things a little further if we could, again, with the theme of leadership in addressing poor leadership. So I know that you deal with corporates, you deal with leaders on a regular basis. And so uh, you, like all of my guests, bring uh, their own unique perspectives to this. But you in particular, given that you deal with a lot of people that are in and out of the space of work in sales are still in leadership roles, whether they're in sales or in other sectors. So you've, you've seen good and bad. How do you address poor leadership from what you've seen of others or how have you addressed it, Matt?
1: Yeah, so I'd say like the, the poor leadership that I've seen, or I guess like the, the common patterns is like number one, like communication. So there's been like a lack of communication or clear instructions. Two is uh, towards the middle of the year. There was um, actually had a friend which uh, is a, is a coach, and we were using the same uh, virtual assistant. And the way that I managed the the assistant and the way that she managed the assistant was yeah completely different. So i am someone that is i'm very sort of big vision so this is a vision i'm not so good on on the detail um whereas she was someone that every single i guess probably a perfectionist so a perfect perfectionist so every single detail like has to be it has to be right has to follow the steps um like with myself it was more a case of um you know just get it done do the job however you need to do it I'll be there to, to support you and you just go off use your initiative and if you have any questions like let me know so we had a very different different approach and I the way that I viewed the the virtual virtual assistant was we were working as a partnership whereas in the the other coach it was more as you know you work for me you do as I say as well so I've seen that's been yeah very common um, other things that I've seen is training as well. So uh, a lack of like training, um, and,
0: uh, and and you mean in the context of the leader that they're not they don't have the right tools or training to
1: uh, sorry, take uh, on those roles. Great, yeah, sorry, great question. As in uh, like the person that they've taken on, um, that person hasn't been giving. Enough, enough training to be able to do their job effectively.
0: Yeah, that look that that's come up a lot in the discussions that I've had, and I think it's more pervasive than people uh, will talk about publicly. Is that, um, and and I think and I think rightly that we're time poor, we might be resource poor. So if you've got people and human resource assets in your business, you're going to want to promote them when the time is right and not necessarily with a plan for how to train them in that space of leadership, if it, if it was required. Cause again, you may not have the time and in some cases the inclination to do it. So you're seeing that a fair bit in, in, in your travels, yeah.
1: Yeah. I was, I was going to ask you, sorry to, to like, to interrupt, sure. yeah, to, to interrupt. So what have, cause you've done so many shows. Is it up to Is it 150? Uh, 150. 150
0: 150? Yeah. What's Thank been, you. Yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> So yeah, congratulations on that. Cheers. <laughs> what have been the, the common trends that, that you've seen? So have you seen the communication, the respect, the training, or have there been uh, I, I
0: get I get the sense uh, pretty strongly that it it's an area that needs to be addressed better, but in saying that, and it's easy for me who's talking to people to say that without having the dollars to invest behind it and to actually make it happen. So um, is there is there a better methodology for helping people come up? I'm sure that there is. Uh, but one one, okay okay so to answer your question as honestly as I can I think people don't know what they don't know and so if you're not if you don't have the systems to find out whether or not if you don't have the inclination to implement the systems to address whether or not the people you've got are skilled up enough to be bumped up to the next level or the next level above that or to senior management teams then Potentially, that's either an oversight on the senior leadership team or um, there are other mitigating factors like we just don't have the funds to do it or the capability. And so I think now, given what we've seen with the explosion of things like LinkedIn and other platforms, that um, there's really little excuse now not to be able to find someone or find some network of people that would give you 10 minutes of their time to help you Better understand what your leadership pipeline looks like. Now, I'm talking uh, medium, big organization scenarios. In smaller organizations, it might be different, but I think the theme is still there. That if if you assume the people you've got can step up without training, without transitional help, I think it's a big assumption to make. But again, I'm not in the space where that is staring me in the face, and so uh, yeah. But I, I do get the sense that it's something that we need to be talking more about and it may almost permeate to how people recruit because when you're looking to recruit um do you really know what the position is you're recruiting the person to go into have you scoped it out enough so that you get the right fit for the person coming in because i anecdotally i hear that sometimes recruiters will get the year it's because they get a spec for a position and once the incumbent, the sorry not the incumbent once the person who's going for the job gets the role they get into a role that's not quite how it was sold at interview and I, i think that happens i wouldn't say all the time but i think it's a common occurrence and again there's ways to deal with that but um not being on the front line of that i'm not sure what they are so what have you seen a lot of that
1: yeah, so I was gonna say a lot of those job descriptions that the, the companies use are quite outdated as well. Yep. So they're not they're not updating them like which they yeah which they should because it's um I, I, yeah I see it a lot. So someone gets into a job, they're, they're so happy, you know, this is the best thing since like sliced bread. You know, how was your, your first day? It was amazing. How was your first week? It was brilliant. How was your first month? Yeah, it's good. It's good. All right. How about the second month? Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. The third month? Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if this is this is for me. You know, I've been, you know, it's because it's not. Oh, it's so difficult because when you, because you don't actually know until you get into the into the position, like what the culture is going to be like, what the actual the the role and responsibilities, and until you're actually in in the trenches as well, and it happens. Yeah, all the time, all the time.
0: So, um, when you do get people that are in that at the cusp of moving out of a role, do you encourage them to talk internally with their bosses, or do you find a way to help them exit? You know, as dig- in a dignified as dignified a way as you possibly can. Like I've never been in that position because in my younger days I would just quit or look for something different, and it, it <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't give it a lot of thought. So. I'm not coming from a space of understanding how that works but do you find that that there's a counselling role there from your experience or people just quit and try and find something else
1: so yes if there's someone that's in a position and they're looking for for their next role then it's you know why do you want to leave you know you've got like the surface level reason but then there's all if you go like a few levels down there's always you know like a a deeper reason to, to why they want to, why they want to leave, you know, like maybe they're not being um, like valued enough. Maybe they just don't have the confidence to to do the job or they, they're going to get beaten by somebody else to, to that next promotion that that comes up. And, you know, is it a case of, okay, they should stay and, you know, fight or should they go somewhere else where they might be, you know, like more valued and, and appreciated. So so many different reasons so i always leave it up to to the person so i'll just i'll ask them a few questions you know like what's the reason that that you want to leave um and if you leave what will that that look look like and what are you actually what are your internal drivers what are you motivated by and if you were to say fast forward maybe about 12, 15 months time, what does that idle role look like? How does it look? How does it feel? Um, Would you be happy waking up like every day or is it?
0: Shit, I'd hope so. (laughs) I'd like to wake (laughs) up every day. Sure. (laughs) Uh, But before I forget um, the feedback loop there, now I've done one exit interview in my whole career and it was, the most excruciating half hour of my life because I don't think, no, not I don't think, I'll be honest here. I didn't probably give a truthful accounting as to why I wanted to go. I just wanted, I wanted the pain of being there to be done. And so, (laughs) so is, is there, is there value in exit interviews and do you believe uh, employees? So don't use me as an example, because I I stuffed it up royally because I, I don't think I was being as truthful as I could be. Is, is there value in getting that exit interview data back to the people that recruited for that role initially? Because I don't know how much um, education goes back to the senior management that are recruiting people and whether or not there's any degree of introspection from the people going, "Oh, shit, we try and hire that Dre bloke, but he didn't like it after three months. He's obviously... Happy to wake up every day, but not not to come into work. Like, how do you how do you get um, to a point where that process is better? Because you don't want to keep hiring and having people leave on you. Because there is an economic cost to the business, let alone to continuity of what you're doing, whether that's service provision or the the provision of goods. So, um, there's a question here somewhere. So, what I'm, what I'm asking is, are they are those exit interview processes of use, and do you think our senior leaders are actually using that information to be better at at that hiring function?
1: Yeah, so they are very useful as as long as you know there's been if there's like a high turnover, then that information is gold. However, it all depends on the person that sat in that chair and how truthful that they you know that they're going to be. Um, if there's someone that is, I guess, probably a bit of an introvert, they're not going to be able to, or it's going to be very difficult for them to be able to, to speak to someone about, you know, maybe the challenges and the problems that they've had more of a, an extroverted person will, will you know, be like, okay, this, yeah, this is what's happened. This was, was wrong. Maybe you should try this for, for your next hire but I'd always say don't burn any bridges and it's all about the way that you articulate your experience like while you were there because you don't want to um I guess rub anyone up like the like the wrong way because they might still have to give you like a a reference if you if you don't have a position to yeah okay okay um
0: I I think I've burned a few bridges sort of flame on (laughs) like Yeah, and that I'm, I'm not saying that's a good thing. That's quite a stupid thing to do, but um, that is what it is, at least in my case. Um, all right, Dre, so uh, moving on to, um, and I think it's linked to this in some ways, maybe a lot of ways. How do you manage the expectation of, of a leader? So we'll use the example of, of poor recruitment processes, poor recruitment technique, or just not admitting that you may not know how to run a proper recruitment process. Um, in that context, how do you, um, how do you manage, uh, the expectations of the leadership in that context so that, uh, that they, um, they're fully across what they need to do and that they link their role in the, in that recruitment process to good outcomes for the business.
1: I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to understand. Yeah, okay. Okay. Let,
0: okay, let me unpack it a bit more. So, yeah. um, and, I, I, and I, why I went there with this is just using the recruitment um, example because it's one I know you're very familiar with is that yeah. um, typically recruiting people is very important and particularly if you're recruiting people to leadership roles, it's critically yeah. important to get a good match. To what extent um, is is managing that process up to the leader Or up to those that they delegate to do that because where I think I'm going with this, and these are new questions, so you're helping me do do some thinking here. So if it's a shitty question, I'll get rid of it. Yeah,
1: I'm understanding now. Yeah, so
0: I think at times, uh, because some people in organizations are so many layers removed from the recruitment side, do you think something gets lost in that process to where the person that's doing the recruiting may not? fully understand or be aware of what is needed for that person that they're trying to recruit. Because you could be recruiting for someone very much more senior than you, and that would be difficult. Like if you've never been a CEO or an executive director or a chair, what innate things would you be looking for if you've never had that experience versus someone who has had that experience? And if someone's sitting in front of them going, yeah, this person's the shit, they know what they're doing, they're they're saying the right things I know instinctively where they're coming from and they've got a CV to match versus someone who is assigned to do the recruitment. And it's just another thing that they've got to do. Um, Is that, is that often a tension? Yeah,
1: that, yeah, that makes total sense. So the way that I'm looking at it is that you've got say like a a HR manager um, that is recruiting for a a particular position. So let's say um, he or she is recruiting for a sales role and then you've got uh, like maybe a sales director that's recruiting for the same role. So the sales director, they would have, I'm assuming would have been through that like position. So they would have done the role. So they know the ins and outs, you know, the, the features, the benefits, the challenges, the obstacles, the targets, you know, the clients. So they know the role really well. The HR manager... Um, you know they'll have a job description and maybe all they're really looking for is maybe like three to five candidates and they're just looking to you know like tick some tick some boxes so oh does this person have a good attitude do they have you know like five years experience tick Um, do they have you know like formal like sales training tick and then you know they'll be looking at those those particular like candidates but with sales it's hard because i feel that salespeople, um most of them are not able to express you know their results their achievements their personalities their skills effectively on say like a resume um and i guess that's that's probably partly why i help them that's like my job so, <laughs> um and then yeah it's and the, the hr manager is just just looking on paper but with sales um it's all about your personality and everything comes down to you know know, like and trust because if people are going to hire you if people are going to buy from you they're going to base that decision on emotion so the way that they feel about you and then they're going to validate that with logic so say for instance i've gone for a job and um like say if it's with a sales director so the sales director will be like maybe he's got a list you know Andre ticks or Dre ticks that box so that's my full name Andre that's why I (laughs) say um ticks that box that box that box you know he did say in the interview that he's a a quick learner um you know so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt He's he's a great guy he's a good guy and you know I believe that he can he can do the job so does that does
0: that make sense? Today? Yeah, it does. I, I, I guess the, you, you you made the point quite um, quite nicely there about uh, in the HR function, you're possibly looking to a tick and flick exercise to get the right person. Is whereas what you just described about the um, the abilities and the skill sets of the salesperson and their interpersonal capabilities is next level up from just ticking the boxes because yes. in, a, yeah. in an interview setting and the next step of that i guess is you get your five or ten candidates for that first round of potential interviews hopefully it's not ten but let's say it was <laughs> that if that director isn't the person helping to to mine that list of applicants then potentially the there's already the problem that you've got well-meaning People in the other part of the organisation that are doing the, doing this as a task, not really looking for the things that the higher ups might be expecting in that role, and uh, sounds like it might happen more often than we than we're prepared to admit, and that has an economic cost, I guess, for the business. But then co- confidence that your people that are recruiting know their stuff. Um, I've I've never been on the tail end of a recruitment process that's gone wrong, but I'm guessing it creates all sorts of angst internally for the business because you would hope that people could recruit because there are plenty of people that want jobs it's just finding the person to fit the job because the one thing you don't want is an employee that is vehemently not suited to the role and or acts out in that role while they're there so you don't you know um, a poisonous uh, mix of those things is not good for anyone including the person doing the job.
1: That's right. And it's so expensive and time consuming to go through that, that hiring um, process. And it's costs like thousands, especially if you choose the the, the wrong hire for that position. So if you're spending or if people are spending all of that time training them up and then, you know, after a week, after a month, after like six months, it's like, Oh, okay. This person's not working out. Then you've got to go through the whole process all again and everybody that's involved in that process so whether it's the the hr manager uh the team leader like the sales director the if even if they the director of the company wants to wants to interview them and the amount of rounds so all of all of those hours could be spent on money making or revenue generating activities
0: yeah and that that um the need to have people on quickly to help generate revenue <laughs> is, is, is business dependent. And so um, if you've got a company that uh, cash flow is not an issue, then you can take your time in the recruitment process. I'm, I'm typically thinking of government here because government will do what it needs to do and it gets yeah. the people it needs at the pace that it needs to. But if your business is relying on sales and you, you sales is, is a perfect example here. You can't be waiting and hiring people that aren't suited to sales if that's what you're after. So, no, I I get that. Dre, um, in terms of leader development now, we could go anywhere with this question, but I think I want to put it in the context of what you know because, one, it'll make for a better discussion, and, two, you know your industry better than me. Um, Do you believe leader development in sales is as good as it could be um, and that's not to cast any um any any degree of um uh blame on this i'm just saying leader development is an ongoing thing is it a work in progress in the sales space generally um and what is it you should be looking for for leaders in a sales context so um sales is one thing but the leader in that sales thing is that a different kind of person is there different skill sets there what would you look for
1: that is a great question. So the thanks, mate.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they, they take time, but I'll get I'll get to one eventually.
1: Yeah, that was because what's sprung to mind is what you find is that you'll have really su- successful salespeople will get promoted and that success, successful salesperson now has to look after say like maybe a team. And normally salespeople, even though they're very good with people, they're normally focused on, on sales. And I've seen this a lot. And when they have to start to manage other people, other people's emotions, other people's results, maybe, okay, probably because they're the top person, they're the top salesperson. And the way that they probably look at, they probably look at things slightly different. It's probably a case of, okay, why isn't everybody else like me and, and and I know that there's lots of successful salespeople especially that I know that are not able to to yeah to manage to manage that so what I would say in relation or response to your question what is really important is emotional intelligence so like EQ so being able to like have that self-awareness um, being able to listen to people, to tune in, to empathize, um, but also having that ability to motivate and inspire people to to take action and to, you know, to get those desired results. But what were, we gonna were you going to say? you going to say
0: something, yeah? I was, I was just, um, just out of curiosity, have you ever come across leaders in the in that sales space that um, have gotten there somehow that they've been mediocre potentially salespeople or it's not in their DNA but they're very good at managing salespeople have you ever found that or will or salespeople only respond to people that are like them so almost like and I, I, I won't mention um, the companies that my partners work for, but yeah. she's very good with sales. And she, one thing that she said to me in many of her roles is that uh, the people around you, when they know you're good at the sales thing, there's a collegiate, uh, the, a collegiate attitude amongst those that know their own. So the the animal that is a salesperson has a certain way, a certain swagger, a certain way of being, Um, and I'm just curious, can you get someone who's not of the tribe to lead a bunch of them? Is, is that, does that, have you ever seen that or is that, or I'm just talking shit?
1: No, no. Another great question. So I'm trying to think back to, um, all of my sales positions that I've, I've had, and it is a case of definitely in sales. If the the person hasn't, um, walked the walk, then they're not going to get that, that same, yeah, that same respect. So um, if there's that salesperson, so especially in recruitment, so with recruitment, you have to work your way up. So you'll come in as a consultant, then you'll be, you know, like a team leader, then you'll be, you know, an associate director, then like a sales director, then a director. So to do that, they have lots of different like KPIs. So you have to hit all your sales figures, but then there's also um, they give you training and KPIs around, okay yep you're now not a consultant you're managing you're a team leader so we want you to manage like these two people and we want you to get the best out of them so in recruitment they have i know like michael page they've got a very good system of being able to they've got really good formal training of being able to bring people up and work on yeah every particular area
0: Right, so it's unlikely in some industries yes. where the first... Pers- right, okay. Um, do you ever, have you ever found, uh, uh, and this might be the outlier, but it's worth asking the question, uh, entrepreneurs, so people that start up their businesses but don't have sales skills and do recruit really good teams of salespeople, is it, is that walk the walk, go out the door when the person who owns the business says, right, I've got a vision for what sales is and then people just come on board because that person necessarily has good EQ, is self-aware, is prepared to listen, but is also prepared to challenge their people. I mean, I can think of a few off the top of my head and I won't mention who they are, but I think those people exist. There's just not that many of them.
1: Yeah. So my personal opinion is that, say any entrepreneur, they need to go through the process of sales because that's your lifeblood of your business and they are you know you're dealing with your clients um so you should at least i know like sales can be you know like a pretty hard gig um but they need to have got to a certain point um to be able to bring other people in to be able to train them or teach them sales but i know that you do have um you know external companies that will uh, like jump on board and do your your sales for you but i believe that they should give it at least a, a red hot crack at, um, at trying to do their own sales.
0: Yeah, no worries. Look, um, this this last question, Dre, is very much connected to the previous, and there may be a difference here, but there may not be. But I will ask it anyway. Future skill sets. So, um, if I asked you to do a bit of crystal ball gazing into the future, do you believe? there are skill sets coming or that there are uh, skills that we've got now that need to change into the future. And, and look, I I won't hold it against you if we bring COVID up, because that has been an issue obviously, but sales is going to be sales irrespective of pandemics or wars or anything else. It, It is what it is. There's a certain skill set there. Are there any that you see coming that are new that may take sales people by surprise? From a, from a leadership point of view I'm, I'm only talking from a leadership point
1: of view from a leadership point of view um, the only thing that's really coming to the top of my head is just being able to get the best out of your people so being able to motivate inspire and empower people to take action um, be consistent with their you know their, like the behaviors Um that's really the only thing that I can think of off the top of my.
0: That, that's fine. Area. Look, Dre, this has been great. Uh, thank you for helping me with the the next tranche of these questions and to keep talking about the topic area, because uh, what fascinates me about this is that I've had a gun salesperson in my life for the last 30 years, and she's very good at what she does. And um, as you're talking, I sort of try and connect the jobs that she's had, the way that she is. And I have to tell you, she's a different human being when she's in the sales thing. I've seen it um out in the workplace, out in the retail uh gig uh arena, sorry, and she's a different human being. It's 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 I think it's something that can be turned on and off. And she's very good at doing that. And when you're talking about your know, the experiences that you've had, it makes me think, yeah, that they they know their own and I think it would be difficult to break in to that world if you don't have a sales orientation, and not, not a lot of people do. Like, um, I think anyone can uh, show compassion and, and get people on board, but uh, sales, I think, is a lot bigger than that. And and potentially, um, in my world, I think the the selling the idea of what is your um, what's the business case that you're trying to sell me? Why do I need something? Is critically Important because I could take my business anywhere, but if you, you or whoever I'm talking to is selling me where I need to go, you're actually painting the the vista for where where you could be. Now, it's not I don't mean sales on everything, mate, but I, I think um, it's it. What I'm trying to get to here is that this is an area that's interesting when it comes to leadership, uh, because although what you've said to me seems like there are very um, set skills and that you need them to be able to do what you need to do. Uh, there's a lot of training involved. I think there's more to the the leadership issues there. And I think you've, you've given me an insight into what some of those are. So hopefully as you grow what you're doing with Job Search Queensland, that you're helping to tease that out a little bit in that space. Because um, if we all did leadership 100%, well, we wouldn't have, these discussions nor nor would you nor would you get the gray matter going. So I, I appreciate your time, mate.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me on again. So it's been awesome. And do you know what I believe I'd love to see a basic sales course or program in like every school. So with sales, it like the skills that you that you learn it's just yeah they're just priceless so like understanding like people like the challenges the pain points and you know how to like negotiate and compromise and influence just great life skills
0: oh they're they're basics in leadership mate you need those things to get people to come along so i think this is a a, we can have more discussions around this if you're prepared to talk to me mate so uh for everyone that's listening thank you for following me on what is a new video podcast uh, platform for talking leadership? I've been talking to Dre McLaughlin, who is the founder of Job Search Queensland. Mate, thank you very much.
1: Yeah, thank you, mate. Really appreciate it.
0: Uh, okay, so for those listening, this has been and viewing, this has been Talking Leadership. I'll catch everyone on the next video cast. See you guys.